Uh, it's lovely to be here opening up God's Word together. Uh, what a precious treat to be part of a family, and church really is a family, and we've seen church working as a family this week in a really beautiful way. We had Andrew was really ill this week, and then he was cared for by Dave Lynn, who's a doctor in the church, and then Aaron stepped in at the very last minute to lead us in worship today at great cost to himself. And so how beautiful to be part of a family working together. So good. As a family, we get to to open up God's Word and be changed as we hear from God as well together. And today, if you're new and visiting us, uh, we're in the middle of a series in 1 Peter. And the beautiful thing about expositionally going through the Bible and just each week taking the next little bit of text and listening to God means that topics come up that you would never normally pick. Uh, This morning we're looking at a passage in the Bible that explicitly addresses how Christians, we as Christians, ought to relate to the government, to those in authority over us. There's only five main passages in the New Testament that address this topic, and this is one of them. Uh, We should always pay careful attention to God's Word, and yet... This is a valuable and rare word on an important topic. And I will put to you a difficult one for our Aussie culture as well, especially difficult. So this is not going to be an easy word to listen to, but we need to give it the respect and reverence due to God himself as we listen to him. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Peter chapter 2. That's 1 Peter chapter 2, right down the end of the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, uh, hopefully you have one. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 13 uh, through to 17. This is God's holy inspired word to us, church, this morning. Let's listen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Would you join with me in praying? Dear God, we thank you so much that you speak to us. And so we don't have to guess about what you are like or how you would have us live. And so we come as your people this morning with great thanks for the Lord Jesus and his example. And we pray that you would humble us this morning to hear from you. That you would cast aside any objections or hardness of heart and soften us to listen and worship. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, here is a compliment you will never receive. Oh, Brendan, you're such a submissive person. Now, you will never receive that as a compliment because in our culture, it's not a compliment. Uh, To be submissive is to be lacking in spine. 
To be submissive is to be servile, perhaps a people pleaser, gullible, perhaps even not to have a sense of your own self. Uh, In part, the reason for this is that we view submissiveness as something that is forced upon a person, someone who imposes their will upon you. You know, as a younger man, I used to enjoy watching uh, UFC. Uh, These days, I I feel it's kind of violent and gruesome. I don't know what got into me, Uh, but I used to watch it. And currently, there's a a champion called Charles Oliveira. He's from Brazil, and he's famous as one of the greatest uh, all-time UFC fighters who's won more than anyone else by submission. Now, to be submitted in UFC basically means that you got so beat up up and put in some sort of hold or position where you're either worried you're going to pass out or you're going to get something broken such that you do what's called tapping out, where you say, I submit, I give up, you win the fight. And this guy, Charles Oliveira, has won that more times than anyone else in UFC history. You see, I think this is a picture of how we think about submission. When we think of submission, we think by force against your will. And the result is it's controversial as a concept. Asking for submission feels like asking to be subjugated, to be exploited. And yet as we begin our passage, and in fact this whole segment of Scripture, we're going to see that this is a fundamental aspect of what it looks to live like as a godly Christian in the world, to be submissive. See, the biblical concept is one modeled by the Lord Jesus himself. It's a voluntary laying down of our individual rights. See, submission is about a disposition. It's about a disposition to follow, a disposition to honor, a disposition to obey. Where there are competing desires at play, A submissive disposition involves the laying down of your own desires, your own wants, to serve the interests of someone else. And I would say it's completely foreign in our highly individualistic and consumer culture. You see, in our culture, we we tell ourselves time and time again that the real you are the desires you have within. The good life, your purpose is to find happiness by pursuing your dreams. Whatever the cost, follow your dreams, be true to yourself. That's what we tell ourselves the purpose of life is. And so submission looks like oppression. Submission looks like self-destruction. Submission looks like a weapon of the patriarchy to exploit the vulnerable. And yet it's absolutely central as a theme in this new section of the Apostle Peter's letter. You know, we've been looking over the last uh, couple of weeks about how uh, Peter's been describing that we are this new people of God, we are this holy nation, a royal priesthood, stones in his temple. And how last week we saw that there's this spiritual battle that's at play against our, our sinful desires. We're at war. And yet there's this special quality that is to mark their life as travelers passing through the world, and that is... That as God's holy people, they are to be submissive. Verse 13 of our passage. Be subject. That word means submit to or obey. For the Lord's sake to every human institution. Verse verse 18. Servants, be subject. It's the same word again. Submit to, obey 
your masters with all respect. Chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to, that's that word, submit to, again, your own husbands. Chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to, same word again, submit to the elders. See, a key quality of God's holy people living in the kingdoms of earth is that they are to be submissive. You know, if you're taking notes this morning, I've entitled this message, The Gospel and Government. And really, there's going to be two parts to this message I'm going to look at. The first is, I'm going to kind of try to convince you that this is true, what I'm saying, that we are actually called to be submissive citizens. And then the second half, we're going to look at four ways to cultivate this kind of Christ-like submissiveness. Uh, All that said, really the heartbeat of this message is simply that, that we'd see that in our devotion to God's glory, we would live with Christ-like submissiveness towards those who are in authority. All right, kind of feeling a little bit nervous about this. This is a controversial topic, but let's dive right into our first part. Three reasons to be a submissive citizen. You know, in some ways, COVID, I feel, gave us a deep understanding of what we're like as Aussies and how we feel about government. And the answer is, we're kind of a pretty weird mix, to be honest. Uh, in some ways, we're so strongly egalitarian with our mateship culture that when government is asking us to do something for the sake of others, for the sake of our mates, we may complain, but actually we're very compliant. We go along with it. Uh, we saw that in COVID. The rules here were intense and challenging and went on for ages. And by and large, we went along with it. And part of the logic in our thinking is that we wouldn't want to harm someone else's mate. We wouldn't want to harm someone's loved ones, so we'll go along with it. And yet, mateship cuts both ways. It means in some situations, we're compliant. But yet in others, if, for instance, ever a leader decided they were going to make a captain's call, or they're going to fail to consult with other people, or if they ever just dared to say something like, well, just listen to me, I'm the boss and I know what I'm doing, they would find fierce resistance. We are deeply suspicious of anyone who elevates themselves above others. And in fact, I've kind of realized that as Aussies, we actually idolize our leaders. We have huge expectations of what they should be like, and yet the reality is they're deeply flawed people And so this kind of constant disappointment and complaining about those who are in authority over us. And so the question that comes to mind is really based off this reality that this word submissive, it sounds so uncomfortable, it sounds awkward. Why should we be submissive towards others? Why should we be submissive citizens? Well, there's three Uh, points, three reasons that I believe come from this passage. The first is this, where to be submissive citizens out of reverence to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first, out of reverence to Christ. See, this topic of submission to the Aussie mind, it immediately raises so many objections. Uh, What about in the presence of unjust authorities? Should we be submissive then? Uh, Is there ever a place for resisting authorities? What if I'm being mistreated by those in power? Does this mean I should just merely accept what I receive? And yet there are four words in our very first verse, three actually in the original language, that explain both where our submissive disposition should come from 
and the lens through which we should answer and evaluate these kinds of questions. Read with me verse 13 again. It says this, Be subject, that's be submissive, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Or perhaps better, submit because of the Lord. Now, the Lord is Peter's shorthand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the obvious question is, what does Peter mean by this? Well, here's what he cannot mean. It cannot mean that the Lord needs our submission. The Lord is risen, reigning, he's sovereign, regardless of our actions. But what I put to you that it does mean is we should be submissive out of reverence to the Lord Jesus. And this is exactly the point that Peter will make a few verses later in our chapter, in verse 21. Read with me. He says, For to this, that is, in context, faithful endurance of unjust suffering, for to this faithful endurance of unjust suffering, you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. Listen to this. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. See, the basis of the submissive attitude of the Christian is found in the example of our Lord Jesus. He was completely innocent, and yet he stood in silence before the authorities who condemned him. Even when he was mocked, even when he was shamed, even when he was tortured, he didn't lash out in retaliation. What did he do? What was the mark of his submission? Verse 23, he entrusted himself to the just judge. He laid down his rights for the sake of us. And this is really key. Christ-like submission is based on a deep and abiding trust in the justice of God. It does not mean turning a blind eye to injustice. In fact, it will often involve recognizing injustice and forgiving perpetrators. But the truth is that we can have an attitude of submission even in the face of great evil because we know that no one can escape God's justice. Ultimately, there's a day coming when every wrong will be made right and this enables us to embrace bad decisions, poor leadership, even wrongs done to us personally. See, there's a deeply uncomfortable question this passage raises. Well, is Peter saying we should have an attitude of submission even to unjust leaders? And the answer is yes. Yes, he is. There are no caveats here. It's not only towards governments that aren't corrupt. It's it's not only towards leaders that are good at their jobs, that are upstanding citizens. Notice what he says. To every human institution, every, federal, state, council, your boss at work, no exceptions. Think about the leaders at the time Peter is writing. They were all pagans. They were increasingly hostile to Christianity. They were self-serving and corrupt. Likely the emperor at this time was the emperor Nero who scapegoated and murdered thousands of Christians, including later Peter himself. 
Peter had earlier been arrested and beaten unjustly, not once, but multiple times by the Jewish ruling authority and was nearly killed by King Herod himself in Acts chapter 12. More think about the Lord Jesus himself had been condemned by the Jewish ruling authority and Pontius Pilate, the governor. Now, it's important to note, submission does not mean we're called to blind obedience towards those in authority. That's not what it means. Peter continued to preach the gospel when banned and escaped from death when released from prison. Similarly, our obedience is not based on reverence of leaders, but on our reverence to the Lord. The Lord is our highest authority. And so we hear the way in which the Apostle Peter himself worked this out in Acts chapter 4, verse 19. Peter and John answer them when they were arrested and forbidden from proclaiming Christ. He says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. You see, submission to authorities ultimately is an act of trust in the Lord Jesus. And it cannot lead us to disobey the Lord Jesus. Okay, Brendan, what are you trying to say? Well, this is my point. Submission isn't blind obedience, but a disposition to follow. A disposition to obey those who are in authority over us. It's about a heart. It's about a heart that says, I want to follow. See, our calling to submit for the Lord's sake means that obedience is always first to the Lord. It will not always be possible to obey our earthly authorities. Our submission cannot be in a way that leads to sin or encourages others to sin. Therefore, there are times when what submission looks like will require great wisdom and discernment to apply. For instance, in the case of abusive or corrupt authorities. But nonetheless... We are called to have a submissive disposition, a desire to lay down our wishes and to obey those who are in authority over us. Why? Because we love and revere the Lord Jesus and his example. Well, that's the first reason, but there's two more reasons as well. Secondly, we're to be submissive citizens to adorn the gospel. That is, that there's an additional reason to have a submissive attitude that's actually for the sake of evangelism. Uh, Read verse 15 with me. Read what the Apostle Peter says. He says, For, on the basis of this, this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. For, Peter expands on the implications of being submissive towards those in authority. So submission is to be far more than just ticking the box or doing the bare minimum asked of us. That would make us no different from those around us. God has willed for us to devote ourselves to good deeds in such a way that those who oppose Christ out of their ignorance will be silenced. You can't help but imagine that Peter has Jesus' words from the Sermon of the Mount uh, on his mind when he's penning this. Uh, Read with me Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. The Lord Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says... You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, listen to this, do not resist the one who is evil. Isn't that interesting? Do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you not even tax collectors uh, do the same? And if you only greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Isn't that something profound about the model of love that the Lord Jesus gives us? One that is, is saturated with a submissive disposition. See, as Christians, uh, we live in a culture that is increasingly tribal and divided. And as a result, disagreement is often confused with personal rejection or hatred. If you believe X, you must be of this team and you must hate me. You know, as Christians, we're increasingly viewed as a result, not as strange or weird, but as immoral, as bad people to be opposed. We're viewed as homophobic, narrow-minded, judgmental, self-preserving, transphobic, sexist, and caring little about the environment. And yet the truth is that as Christians, we're called to love all people with a deep and sacrificial love, regardless of their opinions. And so submission towards those in authority over us, seen in an abundance of good works, has the power to challenge and check the beliefs of those who would dismiss Christ out of hand. Those who are deeply opposed to Christianity are compelled by seeing joyful endurance in difficulty. Those who feel Christians are homophobes and bigots yet witness a deep heart of service and forgiveness. It leaves them feeling so, this is so unexpected. People who believe Christians are bad people are surprised by the genuine humility and sacrificial generosity they experience. See, genuine submission to authorities, a heart of devotion to good works, greatly adorns the message we proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. But not just that, there's a third and final reason, and that is we're to be submissive citizens because of our freedom in Christ. Now that sounds a little paradoxical, a little counterintuitive to say that submission towards authority should come from freedom But that is exactly what Peter says in our our passage. Read with me again, verse 16. He says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants, or perhaps better, slaves of God. Peter wants us to understand that true freedom should lead us to live as those who are literally slaves, the property of God. See, a slave is someone who is owned by someone else. They have no rights. They're not paid. They live simply to do the will of their master. Okay, this is confusing. How does our freedom cause us to live as God's slaves? Well, to understand this, we need to actually think a little bit more about what freedom actually is in the first place. See, freedom is related to purpose. To be free is to be able to live in accordance with the purpose for which you were made. You know, a fish placed alone in the desert is not free, it's going to die. An orangutan released into the CBD is not free. It's going to get hit by a car. An astronaut cut loose to drift alone in space is not free. See, the fish is only free when it's released in the ocean. The orangutan is only free when it's released into the jungle. And the astronaut is only free when tethered to her spaceship. See, the Bible teaches that we were made to love and serve God. We were made to exist in relationship with Him. This is our glorious purpose as His creatures. 
See, freedom is not the ability to live as we please. It's like a fish asking to be released into the desert. It's madness. Freedom is to be reconnected with our maker, to enter into his service, to be a member of his people, to be part of his family, to be his friend. Freedom is to be released into the purpose for which we were made, to love and serve God. See, often as Christians, we can be be so focused on what we're saved from. We're saved from the wrath of God. We're saved from bondage to our sin. We're saved from spiritual death. We're, We're saved from eternal conscious torment. These are true. But we miss what God has saved us to. He's saved us to reconciliation with Him. He saved us to shalom, the uniting of heaven and earth, all creatures under God together forever. We miss we're saved to adoption into His family. We miss we're saved to transformation into His image, to be like Jesus Christ Himself. We miss that we're saved for life with Him, to live and serve Him forever and ever. You know, it's common to hear people say, grace means, well, it doesn't really matter how I live. That's a profound misunderstanding of grace. That's actually to use freedom as a cover for evil. Grace means that you've been brought into a relationship with God to live for Him. Grace means you're now free to live for the one who made you, like a fish set free in the ocean. Gordon Selwyn puts it this way so well. He says, Christian freedom rests not on an escape from service, but on a change of master. Isn't that so true? It's not about being free from serving. We were made to serve, but not ourselves. It's about a change of master, to to serve the Lord Jesus. See, because we have true freedom in our new master, we should follow his example of trusting God and submitting to those who are in authority over us. And these are the three reasons that Peter gives us for why we we should be submissive citizens. Uh, Just to recount them, because of our reverence for Jesus. Uh, to aid evangelism and adorn the gospel, and thirdly, because of our freedom in Christ. We don't just want to end there with that first part on why we should be submissive citizens. I hope you're compelled by that, but we want to end by uh, an application, by pausing to consider four ways to cultivate Christ-like submissiveness. I hope you've been convinced by uh, what I've said so far from Scripture of the kind of attitude we should have, but it's well and good to know that. The real question is, how do we kind of foster this kind of attitude towards those who are in authority over us? And it's a real issue, isn't it? I mean, I found myself falling into it just this week. Uh, recently on, on Quanda Q&A on the ABC, uh, they were talking about how um, there's this mismatch of property ownership between those who are in government and uh, just regular people you know, in our country, uh, how uh, 70% of federal MPs own more than one property and how 40% of MPs own three or more properties. And there was a member of parliament on the show and she was arguing about uh, how the government shouldn't uh, really mess with uh, investment laws um, that might have an, an effect on property prices and that she would really stay clear of, of that. And Stan Grant asked her, he said, well, you actually own seven properties. Isn't this self-interest for you? And she was speechless. She didn't know what to say. And I found myself talking to someone this week, um, just complaining about it, going, oh man, of course they don't want to touch investment, make it cheaper housing for us, you know, who can't even afford our own home sort of thing, and just complaining, all the while trying to write a message about being a submissive citizen, and yet complaining with the government. I don't know if you relate to that at all. Am I just alone? I don't think I am. I think we all fall into this. It's probably a challenge most of us can relate to. 
And in some ways, uh, this application section was really simple to craft because Peter's already written it for us. Uh, He gives us four exhortations, four commands that really get to heart of what this should look like for us. So I'm just going to run literally through the things the Apostle Peter says. The first point is that we can cultivate submissiveness by honoring everyone. Verse 17 begins, honor everyone. See, honoring people doesn't come naturally to us as Australians at all. If you've done particularly well, we might awkwardly pat you on the back and say, well done. Uh, We tell ourselves things like, well, they should know I'm proud of them, that they did a good job. Uh, Wouldn't want to give them a big head, just keeping them honest. Um, We say things like that. But the truth is, that's hard to accept. It's more that we just don't like elevating others above ourselves. That's the real reason. And so this encouragement seems impossible. It doesn't say not honoring most people or honoring most people. It says honor everyone. No exceptions. And so the question is, how is that even reasonable? Surely some people are not worth honoring at all. And yet when we open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. See, God has made every person on the face of the earth in his image. And in some ways, both reflecting and representing himself. All people, no matter how corrupt, carry a certain dignity, and are worthy of honor. There's a famous line by uh, the Russian writer Alexander Solonitsyn who says this, the line separating good and evil passes through all human hearts. There's no such thing as just bad people and good people. We're all a mix of the both. See, an attitude of submissiveness towards those in authority flows from a godly desire to honor all people as creatures made in God's image. Here's a question for us as we think about applying this. It's a difficult question. Is there anyone in your life that you're currently struggling to honor? Maybe it's a politician or a local counselor. Maybe it's a boss at work. Maybe it's a teacher at school. Maybe it's a group leader a spouse, a neighbor, a family member, a pastor. Spend some time considering ways you might be able to thank God for them and honor them. That's the first. Cultivate submissiveness by honoring everyone. Honor everyone. Not just that. Point number two. Cultivate submissiveness by loving the family of God. He says, love the brotherhood. Now, when I first read the brotherhood, it sounds a bit like a gang, doesn't it? Like, you know... But you could easily translate this as love the brothers and sisters in your church. Uh, Love the group of believers. That's what that word means. Love the fellowship. It's interesting to notice that while all people are to be honored, the people in the church are to be loved. See, in our culture, uh, we read this and we hear, have strong feelings of affection for people in the church. And you might just sit there and think, how can I control how I feel about other people? That's not what this means. See, love in the Bible involves feelings, but that's not where it starts. Love in the Bible 
begins with a deep commitment of, to the good of someone else. What, it's what the Lord Jesus meant when he said to his disciples in John fifteen twelve, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. See, our love is to be modeled on his love for us. It's not simply about having strong feelings. It's about the way in which he sacrificed his life for our sake. And Peter is saying, if you want to cultivate a submissive attitude, a wonderful opportunity is to grow in loving the people in your local church. See, it's more than simply honoring them. This means pouring out your life for their sake, sacrificing your time, sacrificing your talents, your abilities, and sacrificing your treasure. And it naturally will involve submission. You're going to need to do things you don't want to do. You're going to need to lay down your rights as you're sinned against and to lay them down again as you sin. You're going to need to serve others. You're going to need to follow bad decisions made by the leaders. And at the same time, there's no greater privilege because these are the people most loved by God. Look around for a moment. Look at who you're sitting next to. Here's a question to think about. How are you going loving these people? Thirdly, not just love the brotherhood, love those in the church. The third one in verse 17 is to cultivate submissiveness by growing in the fear of the Lord. He says, fear God. Now, Tim Keller describes the fear of the Lord in this way. He says, obviously, to be in the fear of the Lord is not to be scared of the Lord, even though the Hebrew word has overtones of respect and awe. Fear in the Bible means to be overwhelmed, to be controlled by something. To fear the Lord is to be overwhelmed with wonder before the greatness of God and His love. It means that because of His bright holiness and magnificent love, you find Him fearfully beautiful. That is why the more we experience God's grace and forgiveness, the more we experience a trembling awe and wonder before the greatness of all that He is and has done for us. Fearing Him means bowing down before Him out of amazement at His glory and beauty. Isn't that wonderful? Bowing down in amazement. That's what it means to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord is to have an amazement at who He is. And therefore, to fear the Lord is to have a deep and abiding trust in His sovereign hand, His love, and His justice. And this is really at the heart of what Peter sees in the submission of our Lord Jesus Himself. The way in which He entrusted Himself to the one who judges justly. See, if your gaze is filled with thoughts about people, great thoughts about people, and only small thoughts about God, you'll find it nearly impossible to cultivate a submissive attitude towards those who are in authority. If, you're, if you're in your mind and your heart is filled to the contrary with the one who would bleed for you, who would purchase you back at such a cost to himself and who's with you, you'll be able to follow lesser authorities because he's on your side and he's with you. Here's a question to consider on this point, which is, as you think about submitting to those who are in authority over you, what fills your mind? Is it concerns about their competency and character? or the glory and beauty of the God who is with you. The truth is, He is with you. 
And so a way in which you can cultivate that attitude of submissiveness is by growing in a fear of the Lord. The final one that comes from a passage is simply this. It's cultivate submissiveness by honoring the authorities. As the Apostle Peter says, honor the emperor. Now, as we've seen, the emperor of the Roman Empire that Peter is calling these Christians to honor is most likely Nero, who would go on to murder many Christians and to, to honor him must be no easy feat. Nevertheless, we're called to have this disposition to honor him, to treat him with respect, to be obedient towards his decrees. But also notice how incredibly leveling this is. Because to honor the emperor is actually simply to do what they must do for all people made in God's image. That said, you can't honor the emperor and willfully disobey his decrees or treat him disrespectfully. Like by lying on your tax returns or failing to declare some item at immigration or by disregarding local laws. Here's a tricky one, by like speeding or maybe having a couple of drinks and driving or another challenging one, not stopping at stop signs. Or to constantly, like me, complain about or slander or even, or even just to fail to thank God for those who are in authority and to pray for them. See, a simple place to start, perhaps, like me, is by stopping to, to ask God to forgive us for our disrespectful attitude towards those he has placed in authority over us. And to thank God for them, warts and all, as his gracious gift for our good. Well, I hope this morning, as we close, you've been able to convince you something from God's word that we have this calling to be submissive and that it's a wonderful Christian virtue. Now, not something to be ashamed of, but something to actually be aspired to. Now, I doubt people are actually going to start now encouraging one another, saying, wow, you're so submissive, it's great. I think that might take some time, but it might be just something that now we have a category to seek to cultivate in our lives. And yet I'd be remiss without ending by reminding us of the glorious hope we have for change in the midst of this. You see, the Apostle Peter who penned this had in his lifetime experienced miraculous change. See, when we see him alongside the Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we could describe him as many things. But submissive is not one of the words that you could use to describe him. If you remember the story, the guards come, the police, as it were, to arrest the Lord. And what does he do? He draws a sword and cuts off the ear of one of the servants. That's not submission and honoring. That is fearful resistance. And yet in watching the Lord submit himself into his father's hand, in watching him suffer on the cross, bearing the full weight of his sins, in watching him then raised from the dead, gloriously vindicated, the apostle Peter was transformed. And so if you're listening to this and something like this has touched your heart you, and you feel a little bit overwhelmed, you, you kind of realize, I'm such a grumbler and complainer who always resists. I just want to end by saying, don't fear. God is at work. If you're trusting in Christ, he will transform you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much for your beautiful example. It's so countercultural to us. How when you were reviled, you did not revile in turn. But you entrusted yourself to your Father who judges justly. 
Lord God, would you forgive us when our attitude towards those in authority over us is so far from that? Would you help us to see your presence and power with us and to humble ourselves under your mighty hand and to live fully for you and your glory? Foster in us, even as Aussies, a submissive heart towards those in authority, a heart that reflects the wonderful heart of our Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.